Welcome to TFL's Capital Connection, your insider source for both the policy work and the ministry work going on up at the Iowa Capitol. My name is Drew Zahn, Director of Communications with The Family Leader, and accompanying me today is Chuck Hurley, our senior lobbyist and policy wonk. He, every, every week he does this, he grabs his beard and he's like, remind them I'm the gray beard. So <laughs> you were the old wizard, I guess. That's how it works. <laughs> um, yeah, who was the guy in uh, Lord? of the rings and gandalf the gray and a yes. long <laughs> right mine's about one tenth that long yeah yeah you you, you keep it trim you, you still got to be presentable up at the capitol um and uh and when it comes to laws you aren't exactly a nun shall pass right <laughs> some of them we actually advocate for uh and in fact that's what we're talking about this week actually yes in the last seven and a half years we've been advocating for passage of hundreds of bills i mean it's gone from night to day the first 26 years i was at the capitol we were just playing defense, baby. <laughs> you were Gandalf the Gray. None <laughs> shall pass. None shall pass. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, this week, yeah, this is a special edition this week. Normally, we've got a representative on uh, joining us from the Church Ambassador Network talking about the ministry angle. But uh, there are a couple of weeks up at the Iowa Capitol that are big occasions for specific reasons, policy-wise. And this is one of them. This is what's known as First Funnel mm-hmm. Week. Mm-hmm. Big week. Chuck, before we get into the specific bills that you're, you're chomping to talk about, uh, why why, why is First Funnel, explain for folks what, what First Funnel is in a nutshell, why it's important, and why, it, why it's, uh, it's a big deal this week. Sure. So for roughly 100 years in Iowa, you could introduce a bill right up to the last day of session, and that just isn't a great way to do business. Um, maybe it's free-flowing for some of us that like that, but for the people who like to see the trains run on time, it wasn't workable. So I should look back. I'm going to guess 40, 50 years ago, deadlines were put in place. And if most bills, there's exceptions, but for most bills, if they aren't out of a full committee, like the House Education Committee we'll be talking about, or the Senate Judiciary Committee, by the first funnel, then they're dead for the year. There are exceptions. And we don't have enough time. People won't listen to this for six hours to the exceptions. But um, nine-tenths of the bills follow the rules, and so we have a much more streamlined focus and schedule the last half of the session than we have the first half before the first funnel. Yeah, so to break it down like big picture, there are every year uh, well over a 1,000 bills that get proposed at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. Most of those bills aren't going anywhere. Um, But the process for a bill is the first thing, typically, the first thing that has to happen is it goes through a subcommittee, just three legislators. But they have a chance to hear public testimony for and against a particular bill. And sometimes that testimony forces those legislators to say, hey, let's go back to the drawing board and fix what's wrong with this bill. Right. Uh, And sometimes full committee members are are in those subcommittees listening as well. For those same reasons, they want to understand the bill better. So having the the testimony is helpful to them. But that's step one is that little subcommittee. If a bill passes through subcommittee, it goes on to the full committee, all the members who specialize in that area, like education you mentioned, or the judiciary. They then have to pass it. 
And then finally, a bill gets to go on and theoretically be voted on by the full chamber of the House or the Senate, respectively. Yeah. And so for the last three or four weeks, uh, dear listener, your TFL team has been testifying literally on dozens and dozens and dozens of bills in subcommittee because that's our opportunity. Once it gets out of subcommittee, then we're working more out in the rotunda or in the hallways. And we're saying, well, here's what you heard. Here's what we heard. Here's some suggested language to deal with this question. So we work on amending the bill. But then once it gets in full committee, we just sit there in the audience and pray and listen to the committee um, debate and vote. And then once it comes out of full committee, again, we have an opportunity to go to key legislators, particularly the legislator who's running that bill called the floor manager, and encourage them to amend it to make it even better. So it can get amended at any stage, but subcommittee is a really big deal. And we have been extremely busy and, frankly, extremely blessed uh, because we have friends now running virtually all of the subcommittee debates. Uh, they're, they're also called subcommittee chairman, but once it gets to the floor of the House or Senate, they're called floor managers. So same person, two different titles. But the key is, among those thousands of bills, uh, many of them, the vast majority of them, I would imagine, don't get through that process right. before this Friday. So, and, and they need to, or they simply or they, just fall by the wayside, allowing the legislature to focus on the bills that they're actually going to pass this year. Yeah. And there's a couple of major polls or genres of legislator. One is the legislator who just wants to get a few big things done and get adjourned and go home. And then there's a legislator more like Ed Fallon or me or others who really like all the cool ideas. <laughs> Ed Fallon was a, a friend of mine, a very, very uh, strange friendship because he was very liberal and I was very conservative. But we both thought there were some really good ideas out there. And so we would introduce lots of bills. Ed, more than me, probably twice as many as me. And the front page cartoon on the Des Moines Register once had him with axes in both hands chopping down trees because of all the paper that Ed Fallon was generating in introducing himself probably over 100 bills. <laughs> okay. But, but so I have a phrase for that. I say legislators going to legislate. You know, haters going to hate, legislators going to legislate. So legislators have all these great ideas, but very few of them, frankly, get to the governor's desk. So uh, the, the the key here then is a very busy week uh, as lots of committees are trying to meet mm -hmm. to make sure that their bills uh, get through this funnel process. And I, I know some of you who are listening right now, this is this is old news for you. You understand the funnel process. But but for those who don't, the important thing to understand here is that there are a lot of bills, no matter how well intentioned, no matter how uh, you know, timely or right or righteous that bill may be, mm -hmm. if it does not get through the process by the end of this week, that bill is just going to have to wait for next year. Yeah. And there are people, including me uh, and my lobbying partners and TFL supporters and lots and lots and lots of other Iowans who are very, very disappointed when their pet bill or a bill that's very important to them doesn't get out of committee. And again, we could talk for hours on why 
certain bills don't get out of committee that just make all kinds of sense. It, they're, they're, <laughs> I, I don't want to get too cynical here, but there are certain legislators who just kind of don't think they want to move that bill and they don't, really don't want to tell you why not. There are other uh, factors that come into play, like um, the legislators in a particular district that doesn't like that idea and they want to get reelected, so they bury that bill. Mm -hmm. There are all kinds of countervailing arguments and forces in the lobby and back home with constituents that impinge on those legislators' decisions. And then there's just the plethora of bills that have to be narrowed. So a whole bunch of factors, um, all a way of saying the funnel gets pretty tight. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, praise the Lord, the last seven years, and now we're in our eighth year of having our really some of our best friends in charge of committees, we're, we're getting a lot of great stuff out of committee. So one quick plug before we dive into what are the bills that we're seeing actually move? What are the bills that we're tracking? Uh, before we dive into that list, you've got the list in front of you. Just one quick plug. Uh, the reality is I and my in my job description, I receive emails from the general public and I get many emails where people say, why don't the legislature just pass this law? You know, this is a good bill. This is a good idea. Why don't we just do this? And the reality is that up at the Iowa Capitol, bills don't just get passed because they're a good idea. It is a long process. It's a murky process. There are good reasons for many of the steps in that process, but it takes navigation. And when I said a plug, uh, the family leader is up there navigating. Mm -hmm. That is what we do. Uh, many of the bills, the good bills that do get passed probably wouldn't if we weren't up there trying to work in Shepherd and get them through, that is part of what we do. We're monitoring it because it is such a complicated process. And the reality is that everyday guy who's going to, to, to work or, 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 you know, doesn't have the, just all of the insight that it takes or the time that it takes to really shepherd these bills through. That is what we are doing on your behalf. Mm -hmm. uh, that is what, uh, if you're a supporter of the family leader, that's one of the big things that your financial support accomplishes is it enables us to be your representative up there uh, and to be speaking biblical values and be advocating for righteous policy. Very well said. Just for the listeners, erudition, perhaps this is my 34th year at the Capitol and Danny's 28th. You have hired a seasoned vet is or, what we're saying. Or 30th. And so you learn a few tricks of the trade. And you learn where to spend your time and effort best. And yet, Danny and I are still disappointed every funnel week. Every year, we're disappointed that some of our best ideas didn't get out. of. Legislators are people, too. And worse than that, some of them are lawyers. <laughs> All right. So, Chuck, let's talk about specific bills. Okay. Uh, what are we seeing uh, moving priority bills that are moving or aren't moving uh, this year? Talk to us. Okay. Several bills have come out of a committee that deal with gender identity. And that's really a surprise to me, frankly, because... A year ago, several bills that dealt with gender identity passed, and many of the legislative leaders said, we're not, do we're not doing that again. <laughs> so, sorry, folks, but the battle rages. So, for example, uh, the governor has a bill that defines male and female in the code. Duh, you'd think that wouldn't be necessary, but frankly, it is. And just to give a little story or vignette on why it's necessary, uh, 
our own United States Supreme Court newest justice, Justice Brown Jackson, was asked in the Senate confirmation hearing for her to go on to the U.S. Supreme Court, what is a woman? And she couldn't, she couldn't answer. Okay, so this is our top legal mind or mind, one of nine top legal minds in the whole country. Doesn't know what a woman is for law, legal purposes. So the governor, God bless her, is going to straighten that out in the Iowa code mm-hmm. and also for Iowa judges. Mm-hmm. So that's one. That's a fun little bill that's come out of committee and we worked hard on it and we've testified on it and we're going to testify on it again. Even if I can tack on, you know, there's uh, concretely we have seen this very issue. And why is this such a big deal? Why is this important? Why would the governor do this? The state of California, for example, and it shouldn't be surprised as California, doesn't have this distinction, doesn't have this definition of male and female. They use what you might say a more contemporary or popular definition of male and female, which is whatever you identify as. And they have, therefore, in California, like many states do, this thing called a women's prison. Mm-hmm. And a gentleman came along who said, I identify as female. So he was housed in the gen pop of the women's prison. And what do you suppose happened? Not good. No, sexual assault claims. Yeah. Exactly. There yeah. is a reason to define legally what is a man and what is a woman. And it's usually for women's protection. So is this bill uh, controversial? Is this bill political? Is this bill uh, right in the middle of the culture? Yes, but it's also concrete and it makes a difference, especially for women in vulnerable positions. All right, continue. Very well said. Um, Another gender related bill uh, says that if you use a pronoun that somebody of a certain gender identity persuasion doesn't like, that you can't be fired for that. That seems common sense, but people are getting fired for using the quote wrong, unquote, I would say the right pronoun. So that's another one. You sh- shouldn't have to have it in law, but now we have to that's have That's really it. a First Amendment free speech issue right there. It, it absolutely is. Um, here's another one that I have a special interest in, special affinity. Um, there's a bill that says that the dozens and dozens of state commissions and boards uh, do not will not need to have an exact gender balance. So let's say there's a board of architecture or a board of cosmetology. You don't have to have six guys and six gals on the board of cosmetology. It's kind of hard to find as many guys as it is gals for cosmetology. It's kind of hard to find as many uh, gals as guys for the architecture board. What we want are the best people on the board, not something politically correct. Well, my interest in this is I uh, was a plaintiff in a lawsuit in federal court, and we just won last month. Where, Congrats. Th- thanks. <laughs> we're we're a, a, a liberal Obama-appointed female judge agreed with me, with our lawyers and me, that the U.S. Constitution, when it says equal protection, means equal protection. And I don't have to transition to become a female to apply to be on a board that says only a female can have this position next year. Sure. 
Mm -hmm. So it was a great victory. So when I testified on this bill twice in the last two weeks in the Senate and the House, I brought forth that lawsuit. Some of the legislators didn't even know about that ruling yet. So they said, oh, wow, send me that ruling. And that bolsters the governor's position and the legislators' positions who are bringing this bill forward that we should do away with the gender balance requirement. Mm -hmm. So that nobody gets told, I'm sorry, you're a woman, you can't be on this board. Boom. Or I'm sorry, you're a man, you can't be on this board. Boom. So that was a fun one. And then there's a whole bunch more. There's a couple of religious liberty bills that were thrilled are out of committee. Religious Freedom Restoration Act, we've been working on that literally for 13 years. Huge issue here. Huge issue. It came out of both House and Senate committee. So it's- Survived the first funnel. Survived the first funnel, but it- really is now alive through the pendency of the whole legislature because it came out of Senate and House. So there will be a time when we talk about second funnel, yes. and you're saying it's already technically proofed through the second funnel. That's correct. Because it's committees in both houses. And then a companion bill that our organization has worked hard on, as well as our sister organization, Alliance Defending Freedom and many others, um, says that you can't fire a doctor or nurse or other medical personnel, if they, for conscience sake, refuse to participate in, say, an abortion or in sex reassignment surgery of a minor or whatever their conviction is, you can't fire them if they have a, a conscience objection to being forced to do a medical procedure. So again, boil it down. Are you a pro-life nurse? We want to make sure you can keep your job in Iowa. Boom. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're the wordsmith. Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just trying to, to help people see the concreteness of yes. this is how these issues impact your life. Yes. Um, making fathers, biological fathers, liable for prenatal expenses of the mom and baby. That's a cool bill. So that's a pro-life bill. We've got several other pro-life bills. Love them both, baby and mom. Mom shouldn't have to carry the financial burden of having a baby on her own. That's exactly right. Um, there's also an interesting and sad situation in Dubuque where a maternity home was told that they could not conduct their ministry in a particular neighborhood because they weren't zoned right. And so we have a bill now to try to clarify that maternity homes can be in residential zoning because they're basically residences for two to four, sometimes six pregnant moms or moms with toddlers. Sure. So, so that's another pro-life. And on and on it goes. I, we don't have time to get through all these, but those are some of the issues that we're grappling with. Um, what are we still, do you have any on that list that we're still... Pushing on. It's not funnel proof yet, but we're saying, hey, this one, we, we, this one, we need to make it happen. Yeah, there's one in particular, a huge issue that some listeners may have um, seen mentioned in national news two weeks ago or 12 days ago. Mark Zuckerberg, head of Facebook, now Meta, is that how you pronounce Meta. it? Meta, um, as well as four other CEOs of the biggest social media companies in the world testified before the United States Congress 12 days ago, and they uh, were called out, to put it mildly, on all of this uh, mental health and, 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 and addictive uh, problems that their platforms are helping foster in young people. 
the impact of social media on young people. Yes. Negative impacts. Negative impacts. So uh, praise God, our wonderful leadership in the House of Representatives from the Speaker to the Speaker Pro Tem to the Majority Leader to the Whip uh, are all working really hard to try to minimize the danger and the damage to minors in Iowa from social media. And that includes uh, hardcore obscenity, pornography. That includes uh, other things, bullying and, and all the other things. And so they're trying to, uh, the legislators are trying to get parents uh, in the poll position, in the driver's seat for their kids before a kid can sign up for social media. The parent has to be um, notified and then okay it. And so that's a huge issue. We're calling that protecting kids online, protecting kids online, PKO. And there's several bills on that that aren't out of committee yet, but we think will survive this week. And we're working hard to have that happen. Very quickly, Chuck, do you want to talk about any bills that uh, look like they're not going to survive funnel or is it just too early to say? Yeah, let's don't curse the project. Okay. All right. <laughs> Perhaps in future weeks, we yeah. may mention some of the good bills that simply yeah. uh, weren't able to survive. But until then, uh, thank you very much for listening to the Family Leaders Capital Connection. want to remind you to check out, if you're interested in any of these bills, check out our new bill tracker feature. If you just go to thefamilyleader.com uh, right now, uh, it's right up at the top. Uh, there's a banner that says, uh, check out the new bill tracker. Click that and you'll see some of the bills that we are tracking through uh, the progress in the Iowa legislature. But again, until next time, thank you for listening to TFL's Capital Connection. This podcast is a project of the Family Leader and the Family Leader Foundation and is only possible through the generous support of our donors. If you would like to partner with us in our work, please visit thefamilyleader.com slash give.